man. You know, um, jeez. I feel like um, this bracelet right here, in case you can't see it, represents something to me. Um, you see this one white dot? It represents me. Welcome to episode 38 of the Off and Beat Podcast. I'm your host, Clint. And, uh, whew, it is 11.57. Um, I think technically I'm recording this on a Monday night. I'm kind of recording a couple episodes ahead. So, um, I'll be posting them sporadically a little bit because I know this week's going to be a busy week once I get it back to normal. So, I'm trying to, you know, uh, just... Throwing a couple extra ones in there for you guys, for because I don't know when I'll probably be early next weekend or later this week when I'm realistically able to get back to all this once I figure out what's going on with stuff. But in the meantime, we're gonna have a good episode today, as always. Uh, today's sponsor is Bank, and uh, love the girls with them. Cause you know what they say, if her hair comes past her eyebrows, she's just trying to raise them for you. Oh, she's trying to raise, and I just want to raise her skirts and tell her. I hate being a brat. I sometimes feel like I'm being a brat about things. Like, let me tell you what my day... I feel like I've been quarantining without the necessity of the quarantine. I've literally have not left my apartment for, what, 72 hours at this point? And let me tell you, man, this shit's boring as fuck. No matter how much you try to occupy. Like, I'll tell you one thing I do notice is that as much as I enjoy doing the podcast, I like doing them when I feel like, because I look at this as like a, lack of a better word, like a privilege, like a, I look at it as like a reward to myself for something for myself. So if I've been working on stuff all day and gone to work and then come home, it's like, you know what, let me just relax and just talk. And then the podcast and it feels rewarding and I feel like I get more out of it because when you live a day in life, you know, you're going to see things, you're going to observe things, you're going to have things that pop in your head, like a ring pop and ring, you're going to be married to the game. And I feel like the main thing is what I realize is when you're not out there like seeing, just seeing things or doing stuff, you realize like, damn, like I really don't have a whole lot to say about things because I haven't seen enough. I haven't done enough to be mad about something. I want an angry bike. I want to see a cyclist. I would love to be behind a cyclist going 15 miles per hour in a 45 right now. Even though I know I did that in episode like 30 something where I did a cyclist rant. But you know what? Just to be out there living life, I would love it. It would actually be very, it would be very nice. And you know, it's kind of like us to the previous episode. You know, you have to lose something, at least for a brief period of time, to truly appreciate it. And I, I've always appreciated stuff. But man, like, I, I'm definitely in, like, I've been here for. The last three days, and I have not, it's not like I've been doing six or seven podcasts, because I don't want to dilute 
the content. I don't want to just be spewing out nonsense and taking hours to upload this and charge this and that. Like, you know, it's not that easy just to record back to back to back when your camera only records up to an hour, 15 minutes or whatever. You got to charge it, then upload and all that stuff. But, you know, not to get behind the scenes too much. But um, it's it definitely kind of takes the wind out of your sails a little bit. I do feel like one thing I've I've always felt about myself, but it's definitely, I think, expounded more to me, is that I need to keep myself busy to be productive in other areas, too. Like, I, you know, maybe it's a self-discipline to a certain extent, is that if you give me nothing but free time for a day, like if I just give myself the audacity where, you know what, I'm not going to do anything today. I'm not going to do things to challenge myself. Like, even as simple as just going to work out once in the day and have the rest of the day to myself. Like, mm. I like working out when to relax after a stressful day or something or the start of my day. And I realized that, man, I really don't challenge myself enough. I, I feel like I'm not taking advantage of opportunity. And I feel like a lot of people, the only reason why I'm telling this in this form is that I feel like a lot of people relate, you know, to when you may uh, you may think that you work hard. You may think that you do so much in the day. But then on those days where you're forced to do nothing, I wouldn't say forced to do nothing because even I'm still kind of doing stuff, but I've really just been watching uh, YouTube like fucking crazy. I've realized my capacity to watch movies is not as there as much. I think I've watched two movies in the past three days. Like, I can't binge six movies in a day. Like, I just can't do it. I tune out too much. But it's, um, it, I think, I think the main thing, I think this comes from a self-realization of yourself, really self-assessing yourself and where you're at at this point in life. I've realized, like, man, like, I don't take advantage of th these situations like I would like to or that I think I would be. Like, I've always, like, I've been working so much in just my regular job, and I've been working so much on the side, on my side hustle. I've been working so much on podcasts. I've been working so much to get my health back in order. It basically occupies my whole day. And now, like, man, I've been just needing a day off for a while. And now I'm basically have these days off and I'm not even taking advantage of them. Partly because I don't have a vehicle to, you know, go do some things. But, you know, I could get shit. I could get, like, shit done that I've been wanting to get done. I've been, I realize, like, man, like, when you think you want to relax and then when you're forced to basically relax, you're like, I don't want to sit here. It's like when you for when you go to the hospital and you're forced to just lay in bed for a couple days just in case after you get like pneumonia or some shit. They just want you to lay down, relax, and not push yourself. It's like, man, this shit sucks. I know the reason why I have pneumonia is because I've worked 70 hours a week and I've decompromised my immune system by sacrificing my diet in the process. But you're like, man. This shit sucks. Like, you you appreciate the just normalcy, the being productive in some aspect, even if 
your job is quote unquote just a job you're at least getting paid and whether even though i'm not someone that like i don't sit there and count my money like that like oh today was the first time i checked my bank account like two months just because i'm like hmm I know I'm about to spend a pretty penny to fix my car. How much do I have in my account? I'm like, oh, that's how much I have. Cool. But, like, I don't sit there and just track my money like that. Because, you know, I have a comfortable enough uh, wallet, for lack of a better word. I have a comfortable I have comfortable enough where I don't have to check every month as long as I'm still getting checks and working and stuff, you know. I can't take, like, a year off or nothing like that. But, you know, I get a, you know, like a... Scrub my feet for half a day if I needed to. I go get a manicure. But it's uh it's been and I only and only I totally don't like to just tell how my day's going. This isn't supposed to be a personal diary type of podcast. But, you know, just a little uh little update on my current situation and scheduling for the pod. As you guys know, I don't really schedule when I put out episodes, because I don't want to be, um, oh, every Monday, Wednesday, Friday, I put out episodes, and then what if I recorded a shitty podcast, and it's not good, or, and I just rush a podcast, it's not as good, and, and sometimes I like, some weeks I like putting out five, some weeks two or three, some weeks I put it out Friday through Sunday, I'll put it out the whole weekend, then during the week you can watch whenever, some weeks I'll put out during the week and not the weekend. Like, it really just depends. But, I, you know, I, I do think it is important, even if, like, I don't have a schedule, I probably need to, I really just, I'll try to record them just as much as possible, as much as I enjoy it. You know, it's fun. I don't really have anyone, uh, you know, paying me for them. I can do whatever the fuck I want. And the growth of the pod's been good, you know, and I think... A lot of people, not the, you know, pat myself on the back, but it's, uh, it's been, it's been nice to see that I think a lot of people that may do podcasting for the wrong reasons and they just want to do it just to get the immediate attention and shit like that. And I think it's nice to have this, having essentially the same eight to ten core followers, core listeners for like forty episodes. Well not forty, but like literally thirty thirty three episodes. Like that's a third of way to a hundred. Most people would have just been like, ah, I don't want to do this no more. This is a lot of time. Doesn't feel like it's going anywhere, but you know man, like I said, I would I'm doing it for free. And you know, I enjoy it. And I think a lot of people if they weren't getting a certain amount of progress in viewers or listeners, they would have quit. If they're into, they're just doing it themselves. Like a lot of people, a lot of people truly don't do things because they genuinely just want to do it. Not to get on my soapbox here and lecturing, but I guess here I am. Um, I, you could tell like how quickly someone, you could see how badly someone wants something, or you could see. What is someone's true intentions with something based off, are they looking at the immediate results or are they looking to the long term or are they doing it just because they enjoy doing it? Like it could be like some guy who's 23 years old, has never played college or high school basketball, right? 
but he just enjoys going to the gym every day, helps him stay in shape, makes him feel good. You know, he, it's the progress of getting better at something. And you know what? He may never get to, you know, play even a semi-pro league or even an overseas league or nothing. But man, just, but it just makes him feel like he's doing something. And a lot of people will show on the, oh, shouldn't you spend your time doing stuff that's actually important? It's like, I don't know. I think anything that makes you happy is important. I think things that, you know, give you, give yourself confidence because that will breathe the other things in life. Like, even if he never does anything, makes a dime off of playing basketball. Having the self-confidence of showing yourself that you can do something and have the results come in matters. Like, we all go through times in our life where we we struggle with um, what we're doing and if it's, you know, the immediate rewards, you know, if they're not coming yet. And it's about, would you be fine if you did that and you never achieved the highest, but you tried because you just enjoy doing it? Or are you only doing something just to get the end result? And then once you get the end result, you never, you know, I know it's corny when like quarterbacks in the NFL say, trust the process. Russell Wilson, trust the process. NBA front offices, trust the process. But there's something that if you don't enjoy everything that comes in between to get somewhere, then when you, even if you get there, that's when you get people that slack off. That's when you get people that they get the money and they're like, ah, I'm good. I don't have the motivation. I'm not going to go out of my way to get in shape. I'm going to show up. I'm just going to play. And they may get by for, for a little while, but we'll catch up to them. And it's shown. That's what made Kobe so different. You could have gave him $3 billion to play the game of basketball. He would still have the same approach. LeBron James is a billionaire, literally. And he still prepares unlike any other player in the league, regardless of your criticisms. And there's something that we could take those lessons from athletes. And one thing that, you know, this process of doing this podcast has kind of reaffirmed to me that if you just keep on doing the progress, it's hard at first. It's like if you, it's like me, it's like, it's like, now trying to get back into the gym trying to get past that first step which is man this is gonna suck for a couple months like it's gonna suck you're not gonna see the visual like results because you've let yourself get to a certain point you may lose some water weight but you're not gonna you're not gonna see the muscle yet because you know you have so much extra body fat that you didn't have before and it's going to take a little bit to burn that diet right to, for you to see results. And most people don't get past that first stage because they don't even get the opportunity to see the results to keep reaffirming like, oh, if I keep doing this, this will happen. That's why when people, they can get addicted to that stuff. They get addicted. Once you see the littlest result, that's why people to like, that's what makes people get to the second, third, and fourth and gets to their goal because... It's an addicting thing to see, to see your body change. And doing this podcast has kind of started to help me have that same mindset again in the gym. I think a lot of people, when they're struggling with their weight or they've let themselves go to a certain point, 
hardest part is getting back, back to that gym, humbling yourself, and not letting the obvious discouragements is going to happen. And when you go to the gym and there's going to be some discouraging shit that happens. You may struggle to run for two minutes straight on the treadmill. But you know what you do? You run for two minutes, walk for one, run for a minute and a half, just do sprints back and forth. I don't care if you have to pause the treadmill 10 times to get to the 30-minute mark. You do it. Because it's going to at least point to yourself that you could push yourself past uncomfortable points again. And that's the biggest mind fuck for a lot of people when they get back to trying to recapture their younger self type of thing. And when you, and it's just getting past that first hurdle. First hurdle is just getting back, just going in and doing something as much as you can. And just trusting that it's going to take a little time and the trust that's going to take a little time. And you're going to have to make sacrifices when you go and all that shit. Just is what it is. But my advice would be reflect on the past. Like for me, like reflect on the past year or two years. You tell yourself you're going to do it. And then you do it for a little while. Then you fall off and you're like, whatever. Then you just don't even think about it. You distract yourself with other things. Put other projects on yourself to ignore what you really need to be doing. And next thing you know, three months later, you look down and you're like, damn, I can barely see my ball sack. And you're like, damn. Whew. And then you have like this, then you start to have this self-loathing even more where you're like, damn. And you start like hating, like I don't want to say hating, but you start like, you start getting a little down on yourself because you're like, man, if I would have just done what I need to do for the past three months, I would be, I would feel so much better. I would look a little bit better or something. And then what's your excuse? And next thing you know, six months, nine months, a year, a year and a half, and boom, you're unrecognizable. Now you put yourself in a deeper ditch. Then, then you got to ask yourself, all right. This isn't just going to happen off a whim. It's got to be a concerted effort to actually do what I need to do. And that could be a hard thing for a lot of people. Like, this isn't going to be something that just naturally hits you one day. It's not going to be just a spur of the moment. There's not going to be a magical one day. It's just going to hit you. You got to force yourself to do it. And the reality is you're probably going to have to force yourself and your body to do some things that it's not comfortable doing. And that's, I think that's the biggest hurdle that a lot of us people that have gained a lot of weight and struggled with their weight for the past year, year and a half, or two years. That's me specifically, but people that have struggled with their weight for five, ten years. I think that's why we need to be a little bit more mindful when we judge people that have like gone from a normal body to a severely obese body in like six to seven years because people don't people I mean things happen in life you don't know why like people could have tragedy in their life and it just makes you depressed makes you not want to go you don't even think about that stuff you're not making a concerted effort to I'm just going to get fat for people that have pity for me 
it's like this gradual process that you think that, oh, I know like I ate bad tonight, but I'll make it better next week and this and that. Then keep pushing it and pushing it back. And the next thing you know, you don't even realize that you've developed all these bad habits. And then when you got to break these bad habits, it's really fucking hard. That's not an excuse that, oh, it's hard. So that means it's impossible. But it's something to be at least a little bit more mindful of when you see people that are severely obese or just even overweight. Is that it's not just those the same way it doesn't just happen overnight to lose weight. It doesn't just happen overnight that people get to that point. I don't expect people to have sympathy or nothing for people that struggle with the weight. But you also don't have to be a complete asshole about it either. Just saying. No one's been an asshole to me about it. Like, you know. I have a little little dad bod, you know, without being one. That has a lot of painful meanings. But moving on, plowing through, um, it's, um, I'll, I'll say, I'll, I'll just wrap it up with this safety first, pull the trigger. Um, it's yeah. The main thing I've learned from my 72 hour isolation vacation, terrible vacation, but is that It's really like, I feel like it's been a turning point. Like, man, this is sad. This is, this is sad. It, it's a reminder not to take the simplest things out in life for granted that we do on a daily basis. To be grateful for what you have, even if you're not, not grateful generally, but just to be more grateful. And just uh, it, when you're alone by yourself for long periods of time and you have no choice but to be with yourself and you can't distract yourself with certain things, you're always like, man, like you really have to take a deep look. Because all you do is see yourself in the mirror when you shower, before you shower. All you do is just lay with yourself. All you do is just have thoughts with yourself. And you start to really look in depth. Of a lot of shit about yourself. And that's a weird. That's a weird feeling. Because it's not always the bad shit you look at. You, the biggest thing. It's not the bad things. and It's not the great things you look at. It's the stuff. That you didn't do. And like that's one of those like later in life regrets. But it's one of those things it's like. If I don't like figure. If I don't start fixing this shit now. It could get to a point of no return. Like if I let my health, if I don't fix my health within the next six, seven months and it continues going at this pace, I may not have feeling in my arms. I may have lost all my strength in my legs type of thing. Not to get too personal, but you know, these are real things that I think a lot of people like me have been dealing with for a lot of different reasons I'm not going to get into, but it's a reality, but I'm trying to fix that and get ahead of it before it gets too far past the line where it's not just a natural fix. You know what I'm saying? And, you know, it's it's a weird feeling, but, you know, it's a lot of, like, man, like, it's one of those, like, 
epiphany moments. Like, it's either like you are going to start attacking this now or it's going to attack you. And once it attacks you, it's like a it's like a wild leopard in the wild. You're not going to win. You may you may think you're going to win, but it already has it already has a grasp of you and what you're what you mentally have already fucked up of yourself. And you know, that's something I'm going through and that's something that, you know, it's due time. You know, I feel like I got a better approach. I got better perspective. Like to truly take advantage more of time that I take for granted. Like I, I do but you know, I'm I'm gonna drop that. You know, I'm just gonna move on from that. But yeah, moral of the story is uh trust the process. Uh yeah. Go eat some booty. I don't know. Bang. That's a kind of delicious. Not as good as C4, but pretty sure it has its purpose. Ooh, my eyes are getting wide. Like mustique. I love some mystique seasoning on my eggs. Oh. Also. Is it weird to have exotic pets? And here's what I mean by weird. Now that it's weird, because I think most people are on the same page. It's like, yeah, having a... Having pet cobras. Having a pet, uh... What are they called? Like, if you have a pet coyote, yeah. You're kind of pushing the line. You have a pet honey badger. You have a pet tiger. Yeah. I think it kind of pushes the line a little bit. Pet scorpion. Go fuck yourself if you have a pet scorpion. I got bitten the foot by a scorpion when I was like nine years old. Didn't even really hurt. But just seeing this, like, I felt this pinch on my... I felt this pinch on my foot when I was in my mom's and dad's room. Probably about like nine or ten, and I was barefooted. I forgot I was in. I think I went in there to get something that my dad asked me to get. Maybe he sent me out because he knew. He knew. He's like, I'm gonna get you, son. You shouldn't have struck out three times a day, you cunt. Um, I'm kidding. That's not obviously the reason, but should pay for pest control. Damn it, landlord. But uh, so I was in the room. I remember I was trying to get some off the bed, and something distracted. I, I can't remember if my mom was in the room or something. Next thing you know, I have this little pin. I felt I felt some on my leg. It didn't really hurt, but it was just like com- uncomfortable. It's like it just felt like a bug or a cockroach. I looked down. It's like what the fuck? And I saw the little fucker trying to crawl back under the bed. Didn't even hurt that bad. But I started freaking out. Just because I saw a fucking scorpion. And then my foot started to change colors a little bit. And I'm like, "Ah, ah, a scorpion met my foot. And let me remind you, I did see the scorpion king at that time. That didn't help my fears at all. (laughs) But 
So, went to the doctor. Gave me a shot and stuff. They're like, yeah, you'll be all right. You know, just, you know, don't wear any socks. Just let it relax for a week or something. And you'll be fine. And everyone was just kind of cool with it. And I was like, ah, you'll be fine. But my thing is like, then when you grow older and you're like, people have pet snakes. People have pet bees. And it's not even for honey purposes. People have like pet fucking cobras. People have pet freaking honey badgers. You know, it's weird what we just accept as pets. Like, everyone should have the right to, I guess, have their own pets in their own home. But why? Why? I'm sorry. No kid of mine is having a pet snake in the house. I don't care how much you're trying to be like freaking uh, Steve Irwin. Look what happened to him. Rest in peace. But hey, alligators. We're not having no pet alligator. We're not. Not even in the backyard. Even if it's Florida. I don't care if it's trained and it doesn't attack. We're not. It's just like... It, it's always like the people that are just trying to be different just to be different. Ah. I'm starting to sound like a fucking asshole. Like, it doesn't bother me. But it's just like... It bothers me. I don't know. I don't know. I don't even know where I was going with that. But, uh... Yeah. Ooh, this is not in the progress of being an okay podcast. Uh, I do want to, I'll tell you why I do want to start doing them. If there's uh, anyone out there that wants to do some skits, let me know. And then we can um do a skit. I already have some old ones written out. If anyone has, you know, filmography experience, camera experience and shit, you know, it's be pretty nice. You want to do skits and shit? I can, uh, I can pretend to be something I'm not. I do it every day on this podcast. It's one of my great skills. I do feel like I would be a great actor, though. I really do. I just suck at remembering stuff, so remembering lines and scenes and dialogue and mannerisms and the other person's name. That would probably be my biggest issue, but other than that, I feel like I could really deceive and really... Make my character believable. Even though I make my character so ununderstandable that people will be like, I don't get who this person is. I I can't follow the character development. Ah, shut the fuck up with your character development. What do you guys know about character development? It's funny how people want to identify like, oh, well, see, because of this one thing that happened at 29 minutes, 30 seconds, it doesn't make sense with what happened at one hour and 28 minutes when he handed her the Narnia book. It's like, okay, but guess what? He handed her the Narnia book. So go fuck yourself. That little detail that doesn't make sense, if it grinds your gears, then fine. Go grind your gears and fix yours. But... It doesn't really, I, I don't get this whole, it's one of those terms 
that people that actually don't know a whole lot about films, don't know a whole lot about things of media and that nature, and they just throw shit out there. And I'm not saying like you should completely ignore character development when you're making shit. But that's like the most novice. That seems like one of the most like reporter, film critic type stuff. Is they'll say, oh, the third lead, the character development didn't make a whole lot of sense. It's like, well, you know what? Because they're not going to invest a whole lot of time in a third secondary character. And whether they fully are in sync with their personality with the whole movie. Because guess what? It doesn't really make that big of a difference between the beginning, middle, and end. It just doesn't. Doesn't mean you shouldn't do the best you can, but when you're doing editing, post editing, deciding what needs to stay moving, what doesn't, you don't want scenes in the, in there that aren't necessary, and you also don't want to take out things that are maybe necessary to the storyline, but doesn't really add to the story. But whatever. And honestly, a lot of these fucking movies, it doesn't even fucking matter. That's the biggest thing. When I'm watching a movie, you know I'm not, like, there's only, I think there's only a certain genre of movies where, quote, unquote, character development is actually important. Because the reality is, is not every character is supposed to be developed. Some characters are presented right at the beginning. And you see what you get. And the type of movie, it could be a, I'm sorry, like, Fast and Furious. Maybe the first ones. I haven't really seen the last three, but from what I've heard about it, it doesn't really seem like a realistic movie that requires character development. It probably doesn't. And honestly, it's probably best if there's not a whole lot of extra storyline to get in the way. The previous Transformers movies. The Avengers to an extent. The only reason why it's necessary in those is because it's a comic book people are going to reference and you literally have to make sure you don't go completely off the rails of what a character is and the original script in the comic book compared to what it is now. A snake? Nope. Dude, that'd be scary as fuck if I was talking about snakes earlier and I heard a snake. I wonder what that noise was, just the air in my seat. And I'm gonna go jump like a kangaroo. Hop to your house and say, I just want a chocolate drink. Where's my yoo-hoo? But yeah, Australian vibes. I just don't think, I just hate generic criticism that doesn't warrant any validity to the person that's saying it towards a thing. And they'll just say, oh, I don't like, you know, fucking, I don't like Black Widow's character development. That's a bad example. I shouldn't give that example because I haven't even seen that movie. I haven't seen the Black Widow movie or I think I've seen like one Avengers movie with her in it. But I don't remember a whole lot of shit from that. So that would be like um, in Bird Box. If you guys ever seen that. That would be like uh, Machine Gun Kelly's character. I didn't see a whole lot of character development. It's like, eh. They uh, tried to stay in the house. Fucked a girl in the laundry room. Her and the girl tried to go out. And they got killed. Not much development necessary. But it's like, but I wanted to see how, you know, why 
he wanted the why he fucked that girl in the laundry room. It's like hmm. they were both around the same age. Um, she was, you know, kind of punk rockish. He definitely looked punk rockish. Seemed like similar type of people, similar age, highly sexual. They probably realized their life's coming to an end. So they're like, might as well just fuck. That's what they did. What do you want? You need like a storyline of what made Machine Gun Kelly's character, who he is. It's like, it's not fucking necessary. They're in the middle of an apocalypse where if they go outside, they just get swiped up and die. What more do you fucking need? The only the only development that kind of matters is Sandra Bullock's and the little girls, which even then, not really a whole lot. Typically, child children in movies, except if it's like a kid's movie specifically and then the lead and the main character. They're not it's not really necessary for children, because what do you expect from a child? Unless they show like a ten year progression where they show like an opening scene where they're eight years old and then they start when they're nineteen years old and that's the start of the story of how they got to where they're at. That's not the case here. They made it to that garden looking fucking place. That's all you need to know. This whole fucking character development. Jesus fucking Christ. Tired of hearing it from you fucking studios personally, by the way. Go fuck yourselves. It's probably not good for my relationships with these people. But I don't fucking care. No one listens to this. And even if they do, what are they going to do? Reject me again? Probably. But Jesus Christ. Oh, God. And, it's really annoying, I'll tell you this, like, you cannot like a movie in general, like, if people are super fans of a, like, a series, or a company, or a whole brand, like, I understand, I understand certain things, like Marvel, uh, DC Comics, um, like, ones where there's a previous version that's already been established of who, of what should kind of happen. So I can understand when people are mad, when they don't only change it a little bit for the movie, but they literally change the whole storyline and they focus on things that make it not really as compelling when you already know what should be there. It's almost like, typically when you watch a movie, right? The movie should just be like you go in with very low expectations and everything there is, oh, this is better than I thought it would be. Oh, this is pretty good. Oh, this still sucks. But the bar is already at the bottom and any little thing good goes up. But with movies where they're expecting you to basically display what's been happening in either a book or a comic book. Specifically comic books. Because books, no one really reads the books like that. Unless it's like Fifty Shades or Twilight. That was the only time. Or Harry Potter. Like in terms of standard series books. That was the only time where <clears throat> it really matters. Um, How much of the book translates to on screen. And even then they still change some shit. But no one really cared a whole lot. Some people did. But 
for stuff like comic books, oh man, you basically, they're going to basically, people go in, they're obsessed, they're invested, you got people from the 70s, you got, the thing about that makes comic books so interesting and compelling, those type of movies, is that you can have 60 to 70 year olds be invested the same way that a 12, the same way that an 8 and 10 year old can be invested in the same thing. And they all have the same rooted passion towards it. That's like the crazy thing about comic books, movies. That's why they all do so fucking well. Because they literally universally appeal to all ages. Even if it's PG-13 or rated R. Like, it still appeals to all ages. Even Deadpool. Even though it's rated R for, you know, whatever. Like... It still really appeals to like a 10 or 12 year old. You know, you just cover their eyes when he's putting his uh, bird foreskin in her multiple times. And uh, he's making her bleed. And making her dead. Holding her body in a pool. That got nasty. Go Wade. Um, D Wayne. But uh, yeah, it's um. That's re- that's why the Marvel movies and DCs have grossed the highest of all time, except for like Avatar. But in terms of a whole series, oh, it's basically consistent bank. It's basically there's no way it cannot succeed financially, because whether the movie everyone knows it sucks, you're still gonna go see it, even if the opening night everyone says this is the worst movie that's ever happened. People be like, oh man, I gotta see how bad this shit is. And you're gonna pay 15 bucks, pay for the accessories, pay for the Thor at the movie theater, you're gonna pay for the Thor helmet, and you're gonna pay for the Avengers popcorn bucket for souvenirs, just so you can keep it in your cabinet. So when you have popcorn at home, even though no one actually makes popcorn at home anymore, no one even watches movies at home anymore like that. Not in that atmosphere. But... With, with movies like that, the expectations are going to be, you can't really, the movie can't be any better than whatever expectation people, like people go in giving the grade 100, and you're basically just working your way down with each little thing that people hate about it. So you got nowhere to go but down, you're just basically trying to keep this unattainable standard to make as many people as happy as possible, which is never going to happen. Where other movies, you know, people are going to just be like, go in and be excited for it. But, you know, they're going to be, start from like, give you a grade zero. And then you just work your way up in the build up and everything. Where Avengers is like, uh, yeah, you are basically just going to pick every little thing. It's almost like people don't even enjoy the movies anymore. We're just nitpicking bullshit in every little movie. But whatever. Character development, right? I don't know. What do I know? I don't know shit. Talking about, I only think I've seen the last two Avengers movies. I've seen, saw the first one. I've seen almost all the Iron Mans. I've seen two of the Thors. I think. Yeah. But yeah, I I don't really watch a whole lot of big movies these days. Keep it simple. But yeah. 
I am going to start doing like reviews. A little bit like movie reviews. Um, what's the movie I watched the other day? Oh, fun fact. I watched uh, Boogie Nights about a week ago. First time I watched a full movie in full length in a couple months. Man, um, Dirk Diggler. What a guy. I was surprised, you know, to be honest. It was, it's, you know, I watch a podcast or listen to a podcast called The Rewatchables. And I actually like listening to a movie review podcasts, even if I haven't seen the movie in a weird way. I still think it's okay. So I listen to review and stuff, and I listened about 10 minutes of the Rewatchables podcast on The Ringer, and it was probably a month or a couple months ago, and talking about how it could be considered one of the three or four best movies of the past 20, 30 years, and I was like, this movie? I've heard about the movie before. I've been kind of like, I kind of have a good awareness what it was about, you know, it basically I do with this. Guy who got into porn has a huge hog, and but there's it's mainly a drama movie, and I'm like, oh, I don't know how. And they were talking about it, and I'll, you know, they were kind of going first to mints of how amazing the scenery, the acting was, and I was like, you know what, I'm gonna see this one day. So I paused it, and I realized on Netflix a week ago it was under like new movies they had up there. So I was like, okay. So I watched the full two and a half hours, wherever the fuck it was, and I see. Pretty damn good movie. Had a lot of complexity, a lot of character development. Since everyone wants to have an expert opinion on that, but in that movie, you can't deny the character development. There's actual character development. Um, from literally any meaningful actor in that movie. Even actors that weren't in that movie for that long. But man, like it was, it was pretty. It had a good combination of drama, uh, sex, not really even. But you'd be surprised that it was not even a movie that has a whole lot of sex in comparison to what you would think the movie would be. Like, there's a few scenes, obviously, when they're showing, like his first scene that he does in a porno film type of shit. Julianne Moore, by the way. Still looking good these days. She basically looks the same. I would, uh, diggler her. Uh, we can make our own little porno here, Julianne Moore. Um, you'll just be half as satisfied. If even that. Man, I really give myself a lot of credit when it's not deserved. But Julianne, you deserve more. Um, but no, seriously, it was a good movie. Uh, more than a good movie. It was a legit. I'm not gonna sit here and say I. I can't sit here and say it's gonna be like my top seven movies of all time. Um, but it's certainly there's not a whole lot of flaws in the movie. There really isn't. And I don't sit there when I watch a movie to nitpick any flaws like that, especially for movies that you could tell are high. Um, high I was about to say high value, like a Kevin Samuels film. No, like, definitely one that's um, highly critically acclaimed, ones that are highly, not really produced is the right word, but 
The thing is, it had like an indie, it was actually, it had like an indie film. It didn't look like it took a whole lot of, a big budget to make the movie. But it had a lot of high priced, at that time, actors in it. And seemed kind of more like an ensemble cast. I like William H. Macy's character though. His was the fucking funniest. Just sitting there, watching his wife get fucked, walks in on them. And he just looks, and he's not even, like, reacting all mad. He's like, he's just like, hey, get off my wife. And she's like, ah, shut up, you pussy. Close the door. And he just closes the door. And it happens, like, three or four more times during the movie. Different places. He just sees his wife getting fucked by someone. And then near the end, not, spoiler alert, if no one's even made it this far, but then... When they're at like the big house party near the end of the movie. And he basically catches his wife again. He closes the door. And then he just goes. He goes back to his vehicle. Grabs a grabs a pistol. I think he actually grabbed a magnum. No pun intended. Haha. <laughs> He just goes in there. He just walks through. They show him casually walking through. And you know what he's about to do. But for some reason you think he's going to walk in there. And he might do something different. He just opens the door. He's like. Boom. 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 Shoots him. He just uh, sprays him in bed. And. Then he ends up. Oh no. Then the crazy part after. He goes out. He walks out, and then he walks out to the lobby, and everyone heard the gunshots, and everyone's looking at him, and then he just shoots himself. I was like, holy fuck. And, you know, I'm not saying suicide is ever the answer, but I mean, look, man, that's a lot to take in. He was always looked down on by his wife, hence why she was always cheating on him. She had no respect for him. Probably felt like he was at the age where it was like, I-, I hate myself. I hate that I'm involved with this industry. I hate what I do. And that's kind of where the drama comes in. Because it's not... The funny part is... <clears throat> it's not just a film... Here's my synopsis, my opinion, on what makes it good. Because it's not... Boogie Nights is not just a film that glorifies porn. At first, it looks like, oh, it's all fun and this and that. And you can see the drama that comes with the fame, the egos that come with it, how much being involved with a certain director matter. It's really, it kind of shows it's probably really not that different from actual movies and acting. It's really a movie within a movie within a movie. I know that's kind of confusing, but... Then it shows a drama of him, Der Diggler. It's still a funny fucking name. It just kind of shows the process of him and everything surrounding with the industry and how, how cutthroat, how uh, violent in a lot of ways, especially at that time, how much drugs are involved, which drugs lead to a lot of um, very, very big decisions. And... It's about how long can you really 
realistically do this, you know, and in the end, he's just like, did he, did he, I can't remember, I'm not gonna lie, I can't remember the ending, I remember, I believe he kind of quits porn, but at the same time, he doesn't. I think he kind of just wanted to start living normal life, but then again, he kind of loved the industry, the highs and lows, the rushes and everything. But yeah, it was just a really great, because you could see the man's own struggles. It wasn't just like, oh, it's always good. It's always bad. It's like the same things you would struggle with, with the regular job. It's like, it pays me, but I'm not happy. It's like, oh. I love this woman, but she's with the director, but I really love her, but, and it's kind of like, then she has her own situation where she's going through a custody battle with an ex, and in the courtroom, she basically loses custody because um, the husband, or the ex-husband's basically like, hey, um, do you know that the environment she works at? And the environment is not a very safe environment for my kids. And he's not wrong. And she does, like, cocaine with her fucking daughter. Shit's crazy. But it's probably real. That shit's real. I always think that relationship, like, relationship with parents and kids doing drugs together. Like, you're probably going to drink with your kids. You know, I think when you start involving weed, you know, that's going to be a little iffy. But... You know, I've seen it happen personally with certain, you know, with, you know, mothers and daughters, more than likely. Like, you're not going to see a dad and a son smoke weed together. I think that's more of a mother and daughter. I think with, you'll see son and father drink together. But, you know, you're not going to sit there and be popping mollies together. But that is kind of like a weird thing as a parent where, like, you're sitting there. And it's not even that you're enabling, it's that you're creating a personal relationship where when you, when when they think of these hardcore drugs they're doing with you, like you're doing crack or heroin or coke. In the movie, it was just cocaine specifically. But just sitting there literally doing lines in her bedroom, like, you know, that's going to create this weird trauma. Oh, and by the way, she, her daughter was basically just used for sex in the movies to seduce Dirk Diggler to see his performance. And she was used for sex. Um, she, her mom was basically a pimp. Well, actually, Burt Reynolds was technically the pimp. He's the one like, hey, go suck this guy dry and fuck him in front of me. It was kind of weird to see your stepdaughter fuck your current talent that you're trying to hire and recruit um but that's kind of the fucked up it kind of shows how fucked up like it's supposed to represent that how cutthroat a lot of this shit is and how it's a talk about keeping in the family and it's weird because even though the mother julian moore was letting her daughter in the business, who always fucked with their shoes on, or no, she was fucked with the rollerblades on. It still never specified why that was important. I'm sure there was some weird thing about that that made sense, but 
She always kept her roller skates on. And just using... It's kind of weird how she was using her daughter to to be part of the industry, to be in these movies they were producing. But then at the same time, when they were going to custody battle for her and other... Well, not really her because she was a little bit grown, but she was still like 16, 17. But there are other kids too that were a little younger. They were... It was almost like in the custody, like it was a weird thing that you kind of felt... When she was crying, when she realized she wasn't going to be able to keep custody of her kids. Even though there's no reason why she should have kept her kids in that environment, you know. Because it wasn't like she was going to work, coming home, and the kids would be at home. Like The kids would be at work, and some of them participating in work, specifically the one daughter. And it was really, it was weird because in that scene where she's in the custody room where they have the lawyers and... It's her and her ex-husband. And she basically, once the judges and lawyers realize that, oh, she's not a... She does what she actually does for a living to make money and shit. Of course, that's not going to look good in the court's eyes when it comes to custody. Um, And it was weird because when she's after and she's crying, for some reason, I felt just a little bad for her. Not a whole lot. But I felt a little bad, like, man. Like, that's one of those, like, real moments in a movie that make you have sympathy for someone who you shouldn't really have sympathy for. You shouldn't. But that's kind of the weird dynamic of the movie, is that you kind of have your... The only one that's, like, like, you're rooting for Don Cheadle to just, like, Find happiness because he seems sad during the whole movie. He just wants to open up his own like radio shop. And he ends up kind of opening his own radio shop with the help of, you know, um, them, the company making movies and shit. And he's able to open his own radio shop with them helping. So it's kind of like this family atmosphere when things were going good, they were all helping each other outside. And once you try to separate that, they try to make it really hard for you. Because he couldn't apply for an actual loan. So he actually ended up, near the ending, there was a shooting at a diner or whatever. He went in while his pregnant girlfriend was in the car. And someone tried to rob him. Or someone tried to rob the store and he was sitting there. And there was a, a pedestrian sitting in one of the seats. And he, uh, he shot away. And then the other guy shot him. Dude, everyone died in the scene. There's three people that died in the scene. Dude behind the counter, the, the, the dude that was just eating at the diner, the dude that came in trying to take money. And the money that the dude was about to get and take out with, he got shot. And Don Sheeta's in there with blood all over him. And he takes the fucking... And he takes the money because earlier that day, he was rejected for the business loan he was trying to get. And... To see, and to see that, like, it's like, man, like, it's all fucked up, the whole situation. But he's got a kid on the way. And even the mo- even if you're a 100% against porn, against porn, to see a man, this is his way out. But in order to get his way out, he has to basically literally steal. 
But so it's a very it's a wow it's a very wild movie. The movie did a great job at making people who you didn't even the most cynical minds of the porn industry making making the most cynical minds find a way to get on these porn stars side to get everyone on the industry side cuz he just wanted to create a better life for his family didn't want to be part of the industry anymore It's it's a really it was a very now the more I think about it, I don't remember every single detail because I forget shit really quick these days for a lot of reasons. But man, like I just remember I mean I've known about the movie probably like fifteen years, you know. You know, I've heard about the movie, reference and a bunch of shit. I kinda had a good idea what it was about, but I didn't really know. And just to finally watch it. It's probably better to watch when I'm older. Because if I would watch like five years ago. I'd probably have been like eh. Alright cool. But. I think now with a more mature mind watching it. It was like wow. I'm very. I'm very very impressed with how. They articulated everyone that have a. Not, not a sympathy following. But a. Actual favorable following. When people's first um when people's first opinions and first impressions of anyone involved in porn or the adult industry is shame on you or you made bad life choices you made bad this and all that you could still feel the same and true but it's kind of humanizing more to realize that oh one some people entered to this industry as a basically they're lied. They feel like it's their last way to make something of themselves, to be financially secure, to ironically create a better life for at the time what they feel for their family from a financial standpoint. It's something that they're good at. And I don't, hey, that can interpret however you want, but something that they are consistently getting casted for a reason. And it does humanize them in a way. And I think that is very, I think that is very important to humanize People that off first impressions we would have judgments on. And like Dirt Diggler was a 16, 17 year old kid. Kicked out of his mom's house because, you know, could you imagine if you're 16, 17 years old and your mom literally tells you you're never going to be shit? Like she literally told him he ain't going to be shit, this and that. He ain't going to be nothing. Like literally. Not just so spur of the moment. Like she lashed out and said, you ain't gonna be shit. It's like, dude's in 11th grade. How do you know that? And she's shitting on the dad for not being, for being a square, for him not being anything. So she's taking her personal anger out on him. He moves out. I'm gonna be better. I'm gonna make some of myself. And it sounds corny, but he made some of himself at the age of 18. And then I think the timeline goes three or four years when he's winning these awards. Becoming famous, making money. And I think it's pretty nice. Overall, I like the movie. Love the movie, actually. I'm not someone to rewatch movies or nothing like that, but if, you know, if I had to rewatch it, I don't even know what that means if you have to rewatch it, but 
it'd be something to be open to. It's pretty nice. But yeah, that was my uh, Boogie Nights movie review. My impromptu movie review. <clears throat> Alright guys, I think I'm going to cap it off there. I'm already over an hour. I'm trying to make these podcasts over an hour, but like generally over an hour, like decent over an hour, not just trying to make sure it hits an hour, just to run up the time and fill time. Um, but yeah, alright, that was episode 38 of the Off and Beat Podcast with your host, Clint. Um, remember to subscribe and like the video. Um, follow wherever you get podcasts. And uh, suck some titties. And uh, swing them dirt diggler dicks around. Swing them. Eyes closed, just swanging. But yeah, suck some titties and uh, have a great day. Let me. Uh.